Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. There's a part of being a missionary that sometimes feels like a distraction, especially when there are so many needs. We're going to peel back the onion a little bit. This is the Engaging Missions Show, Episode 207, with Aaron Babyar. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for joining us. We want to provide a way for thousands of people to hear a message, make connections, and take action. This week, we're going to be talking about writing support letters. Specifically, we're going to talk about developing partnerships, making time for what's most important, the perspective that goes into this, and also walking that fine line of security and confidence while also allowing partners to see what God's doing. A little bit later, I'm going to come back and I'm going to share a podcast recommendation with you brought to you by Missional Audio. And I would like to welcome Scott, Andrew, and Stephen, who all recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. So, Scott, Andrew, and Stephen, if you're listening, thanks so much. It's great to have you. I look forward to connecting with you a little bit more. And for the rest of you, if you haven't already, but you'd like to, visit facebook.com slash engagingmissions to connect on Facebook. That's where I share some of the things that you might not hear in the podcast and you might not see in the email newsletter. I also want to mention that I am in the middle of a fundraiser for Global Initiative. They provide resources for the global body of Christ to connect with and engage Muslims for God's glory in the advancement of his kingdom. I'm believing God for $4,000 to help fund their ministry. A good portion of that has already come in, but if you're interested in being part of that, visit engagingmissions.com slash fund16. That's fund and the number 16 to find out more about Global Initiative and what they're doing and how you can be a part of this. None of what you give is going to go to Engaging Missions. Every bit of that goes to Global Initiative and funding their ability to provide resources. If you'd consider that, I would really appreciate it. I think it's a great thing to invest in. I think it's really worthwhile. With that, we're going to go ahead and start spending some time with Aaron Babyar as he shares with us about writing support letters and connecting with partners. All right, let's get started. Today, I am so excited to have Aaron Babyar returning to talk with us. He's a fundraising coach with Support Raising Solutions, and then he also works with the National Network of Youth Ministries. He was with us back in episodes 140 and 141, which were incredible. We talked a lot about fundraising and networking and stuff like that. Now we're taking the focus on fundraising a little bit further, and we're focusing more specifically on relationships with missionaries as they're working on support letters and continuing to build that relationship over the miles. So, Aaron, welcome back. My pleasure to be here. Thank you. 
Yeah, no, th- this is absolutely my pleasure. I'm so excited that we're able to talk about this and that, that you kind of brought this topic up. Now, to, to frame this up, I guess first maybe we should talk a little bit about the, the foundation. You know, why is it that when somebody is overseas or, you know, miles from their, their supporters that they need to continue building this relationship? Well, first of all, it's modeled for us. In fact, years ago when I was first raising support, my my young sons and I were doing some scripture memory and and I was struck with Philippians one, three through five, where where Paul's saying, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And he goes on within it within that the letter to the Philippians and really if you look at it from from the perspective of how he opens up that entire book of the Bible, it's a support maintenance letter. Mm-hmm. I realize it's more than that, but it is definitely a support maintenance letter. He is involving people that he considers to be partners in, in the gospel with him. And not just because they, they probably suffered with him physically, potentially with you know, that, that's later on in, in, in the chapter and in the book, but also that they were continually leading for Paul to the Lord in prayer. And, and also, of course, they support him financially. And, and we know that that, that was something, because he even speaks more specifically about that later on in, the, in I think, it's chapter 4, verses 10 through 20, he mentions that. And so it really isn't just this exhortation letter to the Philippians, but also it's a letter where he's communicating with them about his work. And so mm. he considers he considers the church to be his partners in the gospel. And so anyway, I learned all that at a time when I was struggling, where I had raised some support. But if you go back, listen to that podcast that we did a while back, there's more of my testimony there of how I was a failed support raiser for a couple of few years. And part of that is my perspective had to change. And, and I had to go away from, well, you just, you just give me the money and I go do the work to to more but no this this is a partnership in, in the work we're doing and so you know to tie that tie that back into what you and I are talking about today Brian that that really that that's a concept there's a biblical concept there that I see and, and get to interact with many missionaries that they're wanting to grasp that better they're wanting to understand that better and it's a need it's almost a crisis need in some mm-hmm. cases where they're they're realizing this isn't just a spiritual concept here this is something I need to I need to believe and I need to apply and I'm a little lost with this. So how that plays itself out that you know ballpark between fifteen to twenty five percent of the time when someone goes to a support raising solutions boot camp that that person you know like I said close to twenty five percent of the time that that person is someone that's already living on support perhaps not very well but they're living on support and they're realizing there's some concepts they need to grasp in this area that. We refer to ingloriously as support raising maintenance. <laughs> so, so I'm th- I'm thinking about that, and you, you know, I, I have some kind of pointed or specific questions about this. Not pointed, but specific questions because I, I know some missionaries where they're having difficulty with support because they can't talk about some of the things that they do openly, maybe for security reasons or confidentiality. Sure. How, how can how how can somebody bridge that gap and truly be partnering with the people that are financially and supporting them in prayer when they maybe can't even talk about some parts of what they do? Well, 
with, with respect to, to people that, that you're referring to, I've heard that excuse before. And sometimes that's very true. And, and, and so to call it excuse might seem a little, a little harsh, but that's more true. I think in certain cases when they're in a closed country and, and, you know, they might not have the, the ability to have a VPN or something like that, or they just can't know if they're, if they have a secure connection. And so I certainly understand it then, but if there's a, if there's a heart matter that that's not an issue, then a lot of times you can speak with someone when, when you are quote unquote back home, when there, when there is an opportunity to speak Mm -hmm. securely, then you can let people know, Hey, you know, when I talk to you and I'm in this closed country, I'm going to keep everything very surfacey. I'm not going to be deep with you. And here's why, you know, and, and, and then even go into, you know, anything from saying, I'm just not going to bring it up. You're not going to hear the real deal except for once every three months or six months or nine months or once a year or whenever, like this is when you're going to get more of the, the nitty gritty of the situation. Meanwhile, I'm just going to send you like a more surfacey type newsletter until I have that time. Or I've certainly known of missionaries more than one that have almost like a, a passcode key to people that are praying for them and saying, Hey, anytime, you know, I mentioned the word halogen, I'm not talking about lights. I'm talking about how we need the Holy spirit to really mm-hmm. get involved in this situation. And will you please pray that, that God sends his, his light to illuminate the scriptures for those who are getting a chance to share. I mean, so there, it takes some intentionality, but, and, but I'll tell you, first of all, and I touched on this already, but there is a heart matter that, that that's, that's at stake. So often what, what I come across is missionaries that, that they tell me, and, and by the way, I'm not making this up. Mm. <laughs> I've, got no, I've got no reason to make this up, uh, <laughs> but I get to interact on a monthly basis with missionaries that, that are coming to me and they're sharing with me how this is a matter of their heart where they had to really move from seeing good communication maintenance, if you will, with, with staying connected with their support team as somehow not less spiritual and somehow mm. not an interruption from the actual work. Because that's kind of what they were seeing it as. They were seeing it as, no, well, when I take the time to tell people, you know, give them an update or, or to let them let them know how to pray, that's keeping me from the real work. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> this is part of the real work um, because it's a partnership. As Paul you know, explicitly stated, it's a partnership in the gospel. And so the reason I say it's a hard issue there is, the the and I, I'm not I'm not zooming in and p- picking on any one particular missionary because I get to interact with a lot of them from from a many 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 different mission organizations on a regular basis. But there is an idea of Messiah complex that gets mixed into that too, hmm. where you know Jesus needs me and and he doesn't need you. He it, it's an honor that he uses you in, in missions for sure. It's an honor that he uses any of us in missions, but. We're a part of the body of the Christ. We're not the whole body, you know. So no matter what your role is, whether you are someone who who sends missionaries, whether you are someone who is a missionary, whether you're someone that works in graphic design in a missions office that's back in the states, however, how whatever your role is and all that, you're a part of the body of Christ. And so, yeah, you're a hand or or you're a foot, but seeing yourself as, as a part of everything getting done, not, not everything in and of yourself. I think that's an important heart matter that, that really affects 
everything else as to, as to whether or not there is good communication with the people who are partnering with you in, in the ministry that you're called to. You know, I, I appreciate you bringing up that Messiah complex as, as an American, I can certainly see that bending in my own life. I don't know if, I don't know other cultures very well, so I don't know if other cultures struggle with that, but I think a lot of people in our culture certainly do. A- mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that then kind of brings the next question because it can feel like, you know, I've already got this thing to do and I've got this thing to do. And all of these are the, the quote unquote ministry things. And if I've got time left over, I need to have mm-hmm. some family time. And then also, oh, by the way, I need to continue to develop these relationships. I'm starting to see this as more a part of my ministry, but it could certainly feel like just one more thing layered on. What What's a better way to, to look at that and understand it? Yeah, the time matters big. I mean, it, it really is big. And that does, that's a global issue. <laughs> that, <laughs> that is not just an American thing at all. But, but I'll tell you, some of the best habits that, that, that I hear from interacting with, with people is that, they, they put it in their calendar, even if even if they're not the sort of person that follows the calendar strictly. You know, they might not have a 15 item to do list every day or whatever else it needs to be something that, that that's written down. If that if that's going to help you to remember to do it. But more than that, it needs to make it needs to become a part of your rhythm. It needs to be a a, a normal thing. And so, you know, there are some people that. Uh, try and do it a couple few times a day. You know, I, I, I've ran to several people like, hey, that's the first thing I do in my day is I write three thank you notes to people that are partners. But it's mm-hmm. not just a thank you note. It's a it's a reminder how to pray, whether they're overseas and they're doing it via email or whether they're living in the States and they might actually be sending physical paper. There's other ways to do that too. Even if you're overseas, I can touch on that in a bit if you want, but it becomes a rhythm issue where they do it regularly. And for others, it it's something where, you know, they don't want to do it every day, but they know that if they don't make it a part of the rhythm, it isn't going to happen. And so they will actually carve out a time in their calendar on, on a regular basis where on a weekly basis that, that they go, okay, this is where, you know, these are the three or four hours that I'm going to spend every single week. And I'm just going to work on making sure that my partners know how to pray making sure I've written, you know, at least, at least a paragraph or two and thrown in a picture for the next upcoming newsletter, you know, so I'm continuing Mm -hmm. to work on it instead of just trying to do a a sprint at the last second. There's a number of different ways, but it has to be intentional. And probably the best example of this that I get to use on a regular basis, those that have been through a support raising solutions bootcamp, we take some time to talk about this very issue. And we always highlight couple of different people called Lenny and Lisa. Mm-hmm. And if you've been through the boot camp, we, we, at one point we, we basically reveal that, that Lenny is a, is a fake. He's, he's not a real person. He's a composite of what we see from a lot of ministry leaders that over time, his, his support is dropping off because his partners don't feel partnered. He's a workaholic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's working 60, 70 hours a week doing great ministry, but he's losing supporters over time because people don't even like the, they don't know what he's up to. They're kind of forgetting about him because he's not communicating well. But then we then we illustrate a lady named Lisa, who in reality, she's a real person. And in fact, I know the guy that used to be her boss, and <laughs> she was not Miss Personality at all. She's very much an introvert. She's a, I'm, I'm not disparaging her. She's a kind of person. <laughs> I've met her a lot, but you know, she's not the type A person that 
is taking over the party and everybody's following her lead. But but she worked in a missions office and she she modeled to several people that I know who who know her that she would put a time in her calendar every Tuesday morning for three to four hours where she worked on quote unquote maintenance. And so she would, she would, she would, you know, make personal phone calls when she could, or, you know, Skype if she needed to, or, or write personal notes, or she happened to be in the States. So she would try and get a lunch at least once a week with somebody that was either on her support team or someone she wanted to invite to her support team. And, and just spending that three or four hours a week at, on a consistent basis, she modeled that that's not an interruption from her ministry. Hmm. It's actually a part of her ministry. And over time, she not only remained fully funded, but when when some needs came up because God was blessing the vision of the ministry that she was with, she was able to to raise more funds that could be used for ministry purposes Wow, quite easily. Whereas the composite guy, Lenny, you know, we've all known a lot of Lenny's, unfortunately, <laughs> that they kind of reach that point where they, they either run back out and do another big sprint on support raising and, and repeat the same problem, or they burn out and they quit and they feel like people didn't partner with them and they did their part and other people didn't do their part. And I guess they can't do ministry anymore. So it really is, it's a, it's a constant issue. And so we, that's why we bring that up with more visuals and interaction and and things like that in the support raising boot camp. But the, I, I like I was saying that there's always a, a significant portion in, in every boot camp of people that have already been in full-time ministry. And they come up and talk to me afterwards and say, this is what I needed because I've not developed any sort of good rhythm. And in, and in my heart, I, I've looked at doing newsletters or I've looked at talking to people supporting me as an interruption from ministry instead of a part of ministry. So back to the example, Brian, that you've mentioned, hmm. you know, yeah, there's, there's a million different things to do. There'll always be a million different things to do, but you know, doing, doing a good job of, of keeping communication with the team that's supporting you and partnering with you in ministry, that's not necessarily something that needs to dig into your family time. That's not something that says, oh, you have to work on the holiday because you haven't done this lately. If it's actually built into your calendar, it's, it's, it's a normal part of your, of your rhythm because it's a priority because back to what we were talking about earlier, it's a heart matter where you go, oh, okay, I need to do this. These are people that are they're not just giving, they're praying, and I can't do this without them. They they need to know what to do. They need to know what they're giving towards. They need to know how to give. Maybe they need to give more. This isn't something that maybe I should get to it. This is something that, that needs to be intentional. With the, the example of Lisa, you mentioned that she was doing this, I think, three to four hours a week. That, that in my mind, is somewhere in the range of about 10% of her overall calendar, so to speak. Is, is that sort yes. of the right number? Yeah, we find that that's a pretty good average. There are people that will do more in certain weeks and, and less on others, but we, we don't think that that's unrealistic at all to, to have about 10% of your time towards this. And, and there's a multiplicity of reasons behind that. But yeah, financial, of course, that's the easy one because people are more likely to give when they know how to pray and, and they're informed as to what, what the funds are going to. But But also... You know, it's a two-way street, Brian. Mm. It's not just, hey, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. It's, it's how are you doing? How, how can I pray for you? And, and doing it. You know, I've had multiple stories of, of people that are on my support team that I have reached out to 
just because I made it a part of my rhythm and, and I'm praying for them. And, and I'm not asking them for, you know, a, a support lift or <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not reaching out with a different agenda. I'm just like, you know, I haven't heard from, from John Doe in a while. And, and so I just, you know, maybe I text message him or I give him a call or something. And I go, Hey John, I'm just trying to let you know, I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying for you. I really appreciate your partnership in the work I'm doing and appreciate you. Love you. And, you know, Hey, if you need anything, uh, let me know. And, and more specifically, if there's something I can pray about for you, please let me know. You know, and I might say that in a text message or a voicemail or something like that. And so many times I, I, I've had a, a partner in ministry like that, like John, reach back out to me and say, I am so glad you asked me that. Hmm. I actually have something I'm really struggling with right now. And, you know, nobody else knows about this. And, and they will. They'll share, me, they'll share with me some pretty significant things that I can be lifting up for them. And, you know, that's not a, that's not an interruption from what I do with the other 90% of my time, give or take. That's, it's a, it, it, it's a healthy investment. And, 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 I, and I'll tell you too, if you, if you, if you did that for this reason, it would, it would not be healthy, mm-hmm. but I have had two or three very, very, very significant, large financial investments change from supporters, meaning they doubled or tripled or quadrupled wow. or more their support over time because they realized that we are in this together. I might be the hands and feet that's running around training missions leaders and stuff like that, but I know I, I can't do this by myself and that that I'm not the only one doing it. I just happen to be the one that jumps on airplanes more <laughs> often than them, but, but we're doing it together. And, and over time, they appreciate that. And I've had several go, you know, you're, you're, we support, you know, seven missionaries or we support 12 missionaries or something like that. And they're like, you're one of the only ones that actually calls me and asks mm-hmm. me how I'm doing. And that's not lost on me. Thank you for caring about me and not just seeing me as an ATM wow. machine. So, so I'm, and you know, I'm thinking about that 10% of time that we kind of keyed in on. And, and I would imagine that there are some people that are listening to this right now that are thinking, well, if I need to take 10% of that time, there's something that I need to potentially cut out or something that needs to change. And I'm wondering, have you discovered any of the places that a missionary or a full-time minister who's supported like this might find that time? You know, it's going to be different for every person, but, but I would say some of the people that I've heard that have learned to apply this, or, or maybe they, maybe they still haven't applied it very well. I can think of one person in particular. I know that's the case. He always has a tyranny of the urgent going on. Always. There's always some big, crazy thing that he's working on, or he's completely burned out and he's not working on anything. And he doesn't, doesn't seem to do a good job of, of really finding that time. And so the people I know that have done well with it, they have actually said, you know, hey, this has to be something where I'm in my office, quote unquote, whatever version of that it is, you know, and uh, you know, office for a lot of people, you know, particularly if you're overseas, that 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 might mean, you know, they're you know in your kitchen, but you know the the, the kids are <laughs> under strict <laughs> orders to not interrupt you for that couple hours or, or whatever you're putting towards. Or but but basically, there's a there, there's a, t- a time of high focus where you're free of distraction and where you you are praying. You know, you're praying for your team. You're you're thinking of of prayer requests, but also you're making that a two way street where, you know, you're actually praying for people. And then, you know, in, in this example, say you're living overseas, where you might actually send an email to someone that just says, hey, I want to let you know I am praying for you even right now. 
And last we talked, you know, we talked about X, Y, Z, and I'm still lifting that up for you. If there's been any change, would you please let me know? And, and also, if there's something different going on, please let me know as well, because we're partners in this. And I really am praying for you, just as I know that you're praying for me and the work I'm doing here in Africa. You know, some, something like that is, that's not hard. I think the hardest part of that is getting started. I think the hardest part of that is, is saying, this isn't an interruption. This isn't something that I should get to maybe if there's time after everything else. What if instead it's like, wow, my, my support team is not just financial. It's, it's, they're a prayer support team. This needs to be first. This, this needs to happen early in my week, not if I get to it at the end of my week. So really it's a, it, it's a matter of organization and time management. And, and, and I, I've always said that that'll get you in trouble, whether you're a youth pastor <laughs> or whether you work for Walmart world headquarters, you know, if you can't do organization and time management, you're going to really, really struggle in, in any. Oh yeah. I, I would definitely agree with you that on that you had mentioned earlier, you know, there's not just email if you're overseas or a long distance from, from your support base. What are some of the ways that people yeah. can sort of be closer even when they're far away? Well, not too many people have gotten a, a, a video phone call from overseas. And so that might lose its luster someday soon with how yeah. quickly everything's expanding technology wise. But, you know, if you're overseas and you're listening to this, when's the last time you set up a phone call just to talk for 20 or 30 minutes with somebody that's on your support team? And if not phone call, is Skype. And I realize that there there's some secure ways to pull that off. And there's other ways that aren't so secure to pull that off. And I'm certainly not the expert there. So don't do anything foolish. But, you know, another way that that you can reach out to people is you can, and I mean this in a positive way, you can stalk their social media, meaning you can, you, you can track with them, you know, look at what they're posting. You can like their stuff without commenting. You, you can write little notes if it's, if it's appropriate on their posts, you know, that, that means a lot to people that, that when you make that effort, we support some missionaries that are in Chiang Mai, Thailand, that they're very consistent about reaching out when, when we have significant life mm-hmm. events and saying, Hey, this is so great. This is wonderful for you. We're glad, we're glad you get, you get to be able to do this. And that's really not that hard to do, but I know they're being intentional about it because as they're working with orphans and they're fighting human trafficking in the area of Thailand that they are, I, I know that, taking time away from that to stay connected with their support team is actually quite important. But also I don't post really, you know, brilliant things on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, you know, I'm not the world's greatest, you know, social media authority, but they care about me and they take the time to, 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 to communicate, you know, in that way. But that, you know, it's not limited to that. You can, and, and not in every case, but a lot of cases, you can still send text messages, even if you live overseas, and, and then, of course, you know, you can mail stuff. We're in a day and age where, and I'll just mention two of them. There's a company called Postagram that you can send a postcard from an, from an app on a smartphone to somebody, I'll say anywhere in the world. I don't know if that's true. I know it's true back in the States, at least, where you could, you could set something up if you have a Wi-Fi connection, or you could send a picture of something you're doing today and and it would arrive before the end of the week and you would actually have to do anything. Yeah, it would cost you money to do that. But again, staying in good communication 
that's worth some of your budget. That's worth, I mean, if you, if you haven't raised enough money to be able to send some letters or, or postcards now and then, then you need to, you need to increase your support of it because I think that should just be a natural thing. So I mentioned Postagram. Another one that's out there is called Send Out Cards. I'm not sure if that's sendoutcards.com or whatever. That's just two of the ones that can actually send physical things for you, even though you don't actually have to interact with a, with a piece of paper and a stamp. But those are, those are some of the different ways that you can, you can phone call, you can Skype, you can email, you can use social media, you can text, you can do actual mailers. But that, not all of those are probably going to work for every single person. But even for the people that, that might be in such a closed place that they're not able to do even that stuff for whatever reason, or, or perhaps there's just not internet capability, you can still work on putting together, you know, whatever your version of communication is, of good communication is, and let your support team know, hey, I can't do a monthly newsletter because of all these reasons, but I am going to be faithful in sending you XYZ at XYZ times so that you kind of, you develop some expectations of yourself that they also have for you as well. And I actually think that's a healthy thing because if you can only tell people prayer requests once every three to six months, then, you know, you need to get those out. <laughs> you, you need to let people know how to pray, but also you need to let people know what are the results of their prayer, what's going on as a result of their prayer and their partnership. What can they celebrate? And importantly, what are some stories that change lives as a result of the work that you're doing together? See, what I see more often is, and I, I hesitate to call it laziness because I don't think it's laziness, but it's seriously a lack of organization and time management and planning where missions leaders will go, you know what? I'm just so busy. I'll just update everybody you know, once every quarter, you know, once every three months or once every four months. Nothing's really changing that much. And, and I, I think that's a, I think that's a colossal mistake. I really do. Except for in the most extreme circumstances, I think that's a major mistake. People would rather hear from you via a newsletter at a minimum, by the way, it's the minimum, but there's more that can happen in the newsletter, but at a minimum, a newsletter once a month is so simple to do when it's just, if you just send out one page, that's so simple to do. And it's a better practice than once every quarter, because I tell you what, someone misses one of your newsletters, you know, hits their spam folder they're just busy and it comes in at the same time as 20 other things and they intend to read it and they end up archiving it instead or something like that. And basically, if you only send out your newsletter once every quarter or so and your support team misses just one, that's six months they've gone without really knowing what you're up to. And quite honestly, a surefire way of losing support, prayer support and financial support is to not communicate well to your support team. And over time, they... I mean, I've seen it. People will forget you. Even though you might be working really, really hard, they'll forget you because you haven't initiated that contact. You haven't been the one who's been diligent in making that a habit. That, that's really in, insightful. And I, th- I think it's worth thinking of, uh, thinking about and then maybe using that to shape us. You, you had mentioned in, in your in your comment about communication that you know, you, you've let people know what they can pray for and then also some things that you can celebrate. And to be, to be quite honest, I've gotten some, some letters that are support letters or upkeep letters, that kind of thing, where it really mm-hmm. feels almost like they're writing an accountability letter and there's not a lot of life and joy in it. Do you have any tips for how people can make sure that they're bringing life to the communication they send? Absolutely. And we actually spend some time, not, not to 
not to ring this bell too hard, but in our sport racing solutions boot camp, this is a big issue that, that we go in on. And, and we don't think you just want communication, but you want vision driven communication. And so it's not just accounting, but it's, it's, you know, what, what, what's a good part of communication? What all needs to be in there? And one of the things that we certainly always, always bring home is, is, is there other stories of changed lives, you know, share stories of changed life. I would rather hear, more stories of people that are being impacted by the gospel than how many times, you know, than how many Bibles you gave out. That's great. You gave out 50 Bibles and I'm not disparaging giving out Bibles. That's wonderful. But, but sure, you know, tell me, Hey, we gave out 50 Bibles, but also give me a life change story. Tell me the story about someone's life who's been changed as they read one of those Bibles and you walk them through it and how it's impacting them. And also how it's, potentially becoming a, a source of, of difficulty in their family that doesn't know Christ and how to pray for that person. I mean, dig into life change stories, share some pictures. Don't give me statistics alone. Don't just go, yeah, we gave out 50 Bibles and we would have given out 70, but you didn't give enough money this month. So we could only give out 50. We couldn't afford to buy those other 20, mm-hmm. you know, don't do that to me, <laughs> you know, but actually tell me, you know, what's the vision behind giving these Bibles and what's that look like? When you go and you give out the Bibles that you that you're planning to give out, you know what's your hope and prayer for that? And so having having a vision driven communication that 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 really continues to tell the story of why you're doing what you're doing, and then backing it up with a story and a picture, preferably both, is so much better than just some sort of rote, random. Here's some statistics, you know, where it reads like an accounting sheet. That's that that's pretty important. And I got to tell you, there's a lot of bad newsletters out there, Brian. <laughs> I mean, you've probably seen it, but you know, when, when if you're trying to use guilt as a motivator to get people to give more, that's, that's a dead end. It might work once or twice, but at some point people are just, they don't want to read some guilt inducing thing. You know, when you basically say, yeah, we can't do ministry because there's just not enough money. Really? The God we serve doesn't have enough access to resources. Is that really the issue? My guess is that's not the issue at all. My guess is if you're saying something like that, you really don't know how to invite people to partner well with you. And and that's not a that's not trying to make anybody feel bad. But quite honestly, there's there's be quite a few ways to not ask for support. And it seems like a lot of missionaries. And by the way, that was definitely me. I made a lot of these mistakes for a few years. Don't, a lot of missionaries don't don't do a great job of inviting people to partner with them, and because they don't know how to ask very well. And so, there really are some principles that that are at work in having good regular communication that we would love for people to to, to be able to model and, and bring together. And by the way, sometimes people they they really do want to know about you and your family, but but how do you even how do you yeah. share all that? And so we even talk about an 80-20 principle of, hey, make, you know, make 20% of your, of your newsletter about you and your family, you know, about what, what they're doing. That's, that's refreshing to people. If, you, if, if you're married and, and or you have kids, whether you're living stateside or globally, people care about you. They, 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 probably, they probably joined your team as much about because of who you are as the vision. And so, you know, let them know what's going on. Let them know of great life changed things. I, I just had a, an, another son graduate mm. from high school this, this past month. And, you know, that's for that for sure is going to end up in my, my, 
my newsletter that's coming out very soon. But if the, you know, I, that's not the only thing I talk about all the time. I, in fact, I only talk about my family maybe 20% of the time, but it's important that, that people know what's going on with us and how to pray for us where they don't just see us as these robot missionaries that all we do is, is, you know, we're, we're super Christians and we preach the gospel all day, every day you know, on the street corner on a, and that's the people want to know that we're real, you know, that, that, that we're approachable and that, and that we have struggles and wins and, and things like that, just like anybody else. And so we'll also share sometimes about medical things that, that have, have gone through our family. Basically, we, we don't want to seem like, you know, supermen. Oh, we're missionaries. Therefore, we're perfect and we have it all together. No, we, mm. we struggle. We have, we have things that we need prayer about for our family also. And so all that kind of needs to go in there into, into having a, a good communication without trying to guilt people, but also without asking for money. I, I don't think a newsletter most of the time is really the place to ask for money. And we get some pushback on that. People are like, well, that's the only time I can do it. And I disagree. I think when you're going to invite somebody to partner in something with you, you do that personally. And and you can update general updates. But more often than not, I, I when I've seen ministry workers talk about money in newsletters, that they, they're looking for a shortcut. They're looking for a way to, to, to try and get people to give more as a result of the newsletter. And that is, first of all, that's nowhere near as effective as a personal ask. But secondly, I think you can go to that well too quickly and people won't even, I mean, they'll just gloss right over that because you're always asking for money. So they might read the rest of your newsletter and the part you talk about money, they're just going to ignore it because you're always asking for more. Whereas when you, when you don't make that the point of the newsletter and you make your support raising principles, you, know, you, you bring those separate of the newsletter and you see the newsletter as a way of staying in communication, a way of asking for prayer, a way of letting people know how their investment in the gospel is being used. That's a lot more life-giving than someone ducking every time your newsletter comes out because they're like, oh, they're going to hit me up for money again. <laughs> That's what they always do in these letters. So make people want to read your newsletters. Don't, don't make them want to ignore it. We've talked a little bit about, about newsletters, a little bit about connecting on social media. You mentioned how through the lens of Philippians, you can see Paul raising support or, you know, continuing to maintain that relationship. And I'm wondering, as you think about communicating with people that are partnering with you, are there different kinds of communication like thank you notes or prayer reminders? What are the different kinds of ways that you can continue to communicate without constantly sending newsletters? Well, I think newsletters are important probably on a monthly basis in most cases, but yeah, I think Brian, you, you hit on it. It's, it's, it's how do I communicate with this person? What is the way they communicate and, and figuring that out for each person? Cause some people are different. You know, I have some people that are on my support team that I only ever get a hold of them via text message. I have some others that they don't text at all. I only get a hold of them when I call them. I have others that, you know, I have, I pretty much have to run into them. And so I keep sending them the <laughs> newsletters, but I know that unless I run into them somewhere, I'm, I'm just not, it's not going to be a two way communication but then I go, oh, wait a minute. The wife is on Facebook and she posts almost every day. Okay, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I, I, I track their Facebook page and, and Kate, via, via that way, you know, whether that's you know, liking their stuff or, or even messaging them. You just kind of have to figure that out you know, for each person. Uh, like how, how do they communicate? And then, and then also be aware that when people don't reply. You know, I've sent that message a, a different message, you know, to people sometimes where I'm like, Hey, 
you know, Joe, I'm, I'm praying for you today. How are you doing? And then I realized later on, Joe didn't reply. Okay, well, I need to kind of pay attention to that might not be the way to ask Joe how he's doing. Next time, I'm just going to give him a call, you know, and or next time I'm going to, I'm going to reach out a different way. And so I think that using some sort of software that helps you to track with your relationships can be very helpful. And there's a lot of tools out there right now that, that do that. Some free, some cost. I, I'm not turned off personally by paying for a software that gets well maintained. <laughs> and, you know, if there's glitches, you know, I know there's, there's people behind it fixing it. So that's true of something called Karani, K A R A. And I, Karani, that's a great one. I have not personally interacted much with a different one called MPDX, but I know that that's, that's a great one that a lot of people are using. That was actually free. And there's another one called Donor Elf. I've heard a lot of good things about Donor Elf also. Again, that's a paid for software, but there are different softwares out there that as ministry workers that can help you not just track the money coming in, but really more on the lines of who are your supporters and how do they give and what way do they give? When do they give? But also there's, there's a place in there for you to be able to track. Hey, when's the last time I heard from Joe? When's the last time I heard from John? When's the last time I sent them something, you know, other than a newsletter? When's the last time I actually sat down with Joe? See, what I have found is I love my support team. I pray for them. I actually care for them. And, And I don't know if that was very true early on when I was first getting started out raising support. But over time, I really do. I love, and, I love and care about my support team. And so when I'm thinking about them and thinking about, well, it's been a while since I've seen Scott, I can go and pull up, you know, a, kind of a file. I, I kind of keep on my support team and go, oh, wow, it's almost been two years since Scott and I got pizza that one day. And, you know, he only lives 45 minutes from me. You know what? It's just been too long. I, I'm going to. I'm not just going to text him, hey, how you doing? I'm actually trying to get together with Scott and buy him a cup of coffee next week. You know, and so because I forget, like I, I love Scott. And I pray for him and his daughter and, and you know, his, his, his work stuff he's got going on. But I didn't realize it's almost been two wow. years since we sat down together until I pulled up the, the thing. And I went, oh, looks it looks like here I got together with him in, in July of 2015. And here it is May of 2017. I think we need to do this again. So. I, I say that using a software to help you track those relationships can be very helpful. And again, it's not to be manipulative. It's not to try and get more right. money out of them. It, 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 it's not that. It's more along the lines of it's keeping you organized. And also it gives you something to open up and look at when you are when you sit down and you're like, wow, okay, <laughs> I, t- I put this time into my calendar. I can't remember what am I supposed to do now? Well, open up your open up your, your software and be like, Hey, when's the last time you actually talked to people? Like it can kind of, it, it, as you put information in over time, it, it can help you stay organized to, to be able to, to, to make that a part wow, of your rhythm. That, that's great. So as, as we're kind of tying a bow on this, I'm wondering, you know, the, the last time you were with us, you recommended the God ask as a resource. And since that time I've, I've been able to give away several copies to missionaries who heard that interview and were interested in learning more. I'm wondering, is there another book or another resource that you would point people toward as well? Well, I guess those softwares I would consider yeah, okay. a resource for sure. You know, there is a new book that has just come out recently. And, you know, from this standpoint, I would say this. Anybody could could potentially read this and, and get a lot out of it. But this would be more along the lines for 
those who are leaders within their mission organization, maybe they're support raising trainer or coach, or, or perhaps they're an executive within a missions organization. And one of the one of the guys that I, I had a pleasure of becoming friends with that that really has kind of gone before a lot of us in, in the whole support raising realm. His name is Scott Morton. To, to me, there's there's a few heads on on the support raising Mount Rushmore, so to <laughs> <Nice>. speak. <laughs> and Steve Shadrach would certainly be running. He, he, he wrote the God ask. And, and then another would be oldest, excuse me, Ellis Gildstein. He's with crew, but th- this guy's name is Scott Morton and funding your ministry is an important book he wrote years ago, but Scott actually just recently published a new book that I think is fantastic for those that are leading a team in ministry to full funding. And so his book that they actually just released about a month ago, and you can get it through cmmpress.org, Center for Mission Mobilization, cmmpress.org. But anyway, that book is called Blind Spots. And really is just very insightful because there are, and I think his, you know, his approach from this is, is we can have a lot of blind spots in our approach to having a, a healthy fundraising kind of communication as, as well as work ethic as, you know, just a whole bunch of different things. Sometimes we, we as ministry leaders can, can jump to some conclusions and we think things are going really well. And then we find out the hard way they aren't. And so Scott wrote that book really from the standpoint of, and like I said, anybody could read it, but trying to help ministry leaders lead their team and their ministry well with, with, with full funding. So I would, Highly, highly recommend that. And then also, we do have a lot more resources on the supportraisingsolutions.org website. I mean, there's a there's a blog there. There's a newsletter. There's, there's just a lot of different information. And that website, we continue to add more and more there. And so I would certainly steer anybody looking for more resources to supportraisingsolutions.org. That just seems to be a, a healthy place where a lot of people can find more than what I could plug in a, in a couple of minutes <laughs> of time. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being with us today. I I can't tell you how much I appreciate your willingness to do this and your heart to continue sowing into the kingdom to to further equip and challenge people to to up their game that we could all be better. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you for having me. That my heart is to equip ministry leaders to survive and thrive and I I got to tell you that uh, I know that support raising is the most felt need among ministry leaders that, that raise support. I mean, it might not be the biggest need, but oftentimes it feels yeah. like it is. And so if I want to equip ministry leaders to survive and thrive, it seems like part of my calling has been to, to step in, into that and help people connect the dots where they can not only just raise their support, but be able to keep it. And so thanks for letting me speak on the, the maintenance aspect. Oh, it's of my that. pleasure. After talking to Aaron Babiar, I think it's just so appropriate that this week's podcast recommendation brought to you by MissionalAudio.com is the Lift Up podcast. It's a podcast that's on my must-listen list. It comes out once a month, and the host has been in the middle of putting together a deputation survey for quite some time. He's been working with missionaries as well as pastors to understand some of the parts of the deputation process that would be fundraising and getting ready to go that could be streamlined. He's got a real heart for that kind of thing. That's not the only thing that he talks about, but it might be a podcast that's worth checking out. You can find that linked up at missionalaudio.com. I think it's great. It's one of the podcasts I listen to all the time, and I recommend it for you as well. If you know of a podcast or an audiobook that's related to missions or church planning, I would love to hear about it from you. 
I would love to be able to include that at Missional Audio. Just visit missionalaudio.com, check out what's there, and if you know of something that might be worth considering, just suggest it right there at missionalaudio.com. I want to make this an amazing resource for people who want to connect with audio materials, audio books, and podcasts related to missions and church planting, missional living, evangelism, those kinds of things, so that there's one place for them to go to find this. I'd like to also say thanks to Aaron Babyar for taking the time to do this. This is now his third time on the Engaging Missions show, and I really enjoyed having him as a guest. The show notes are available at engagingmissions.com slash AaronBabyar3. That's Aaron Babyar and the number three, because this is the third time he's on the show. That's where you're going to find ways to connect with him, links, quotes, timestamps for the things that we shared the ability to share it right there with your friends and family, which if you'd like to consider that, I would really appreciate it, especially if you really know somebody who could benefit from what Aaron shared. Make sure that you come back next week. I've got a special treat for you. We're going to be hearing from Scott Stripling about how God is using archaeology to support the Bible and encourage believers in their faith. But we're not talking about ignoring science or ignoring history to try to pretend that the Bible is true. He's talking about things that he's discovering that are actually supporting what's in the Bible. I think it's really valuable, and I think that it can inform how we connect with other cultures because many of us are coming from a culture that's so different from the culture of the Bible. It's going to be a really great discussion. I think you're going to enjoy that. If you want to make sure that you don't miss that, subscribe by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And also, please help us understand how we can support you and improve the show to serve you better. Send an email to feedback at engagingmissions.com. I'd love to hear from you. One last shout out to Jeff and Gabby for the work that they do on the show. I really appreciate what they do. They bring a lot to the show in terms of the audio editing and helping put together the show notes. So I just want to say thank you to them. I really appreciate what they do. And thanks to you. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting this show. And my heart and my prayers go with you that God would continue to increase you and pour his love and his life out in and through you so that you can have an impact in the world, that you can encourage others, that you can equip others, that you can challenge others, and that you can see God's glory on the earth in your lifetime. I think that's an amazing thing to be able to see. And my hope and my prayer is that you will see that as well. Come back next week and we'll connect again. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.